Welcome to WP Tonic Roundtable Podcast, where a panel of leading WordPress junkies discusses the latest WordPress and internet stories of the week. Now, on with the show with your moderator, Jonathan Denwood. Welcome back, folks, to the WP Tonic Roundtable Show. It's episode 481. We record this every Friday around 8.30 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. And you can watch it live on the WP Tonic Facebook page. Join it. Get the latest um, shows that um, we are recording during the week. And you'll be able to see it all on the WP Tonic Facebook page. We've got a lively panel. Uh, um, I think it's going to be an interesting show and um, got some good stories. It's um, more WordPress than normal. That's just how it pans out. I've got my great friend, Kim Shivler, as a special guest. Um, she uh, periodically comes on the show. Kim, would you like to introduce yourself to the listeners and viewers? Sure. Hey, everybody. I'm Kim Shivler, business and technology coach and trainer. And uh, it's nice to be back for a visit. It's great. And I've got my friend Spencer. Spencer, uh, would you like to quickly introduce yourself to the listeners and viewers? Sure. Spencer Foreman from launchflows.com. Got my, thank you. Got my friend Sally. Sally, would you like to quickly introduce yourself? Uh, hi, I'm Sally Getch, the WP fangirl and organizer of the East Bay WordPress meetup, which is going to be meeting on Zoom for at least the next couple of months. I've got my friend and my co-host for my interview show, Adrian. Adrian, would you like to introduce yourself? Hi, everyone. My name is Adrian. I'm the CEO and founder of Groundhog. And today I'm celebrating reaching the One Comma Club and a thousand active users of Groundhog. We made it. Yeah, that's an achievement. Um, got my old friend and colleague, John Locke. John, would you like to quickly introduce yourself? <clears throat> yeah, John Locke. I do uh, manu- uh, SEO for manufacturing companies. <clears throat> and I've got my new friend, Vito, from my old stamping ground of London. Would you like to quickly introduce yourself? Yes, I'm Vito. I'm the founder of WP Feedback, where we help uh, fix communications for WordPress professionals. And before going to our main stories, I just want to talk about our sponsor for this episode, and that's LaunchFlows. And what does LaunchFlows does do, I should say? Well, basically, LaunchFlows enables you to build great modern funnels, not only for WooCommerce, but for any type of funnel. It works with WooCommerce, and it also works with all the leading page builders, but it's recommended really with Alimator. Um, if you have those two, WooCommerce and Alimator, LaunchFlows really enables you to build superb shopping funnels for your shopping cart, for yourself or for your clients. But also it has the flexibility to build any kind of funnels, especially if you're using Groundhog. It's a great combination. And you can achieve that at a very low cost compared to the alternatives. So if that really sounds interesting for yourself and for your clients, go over to LaunchFlows. They provided us with a coupon code. You get 25% off the package. And the and the coupon code is WP Tonic Rocks. I repeat that WP Tonic Rocks, and you get 25% straight off. And I couldn't highly more recommend it. It's a really fantastic product. So, on to our first story. Um, but I say that, but um, Spencer, you brought in a story that a little bit late in the day about Elevator. 
And right. that seemed a little bit interesting. So do you want to quickly, maybe we have a quick discussion about that and then we go into our yeah. formal first story. Yeah. First of all, let me preface by saying there are some companies that do nefarious things and I think they're being nefarious. There's other companies that do things that aren't nefarious, but maybe you're pushing the boundaries and I love the companies and I don't believe they're doing anything intentionally bad. I think Elementor clearly falls into the latter category. I love the team. I love the product. I love everything they're doing. There's literally nothing I don't love about Elementor. And obviously launch flows is my software product that's built upon the premise that that's my choice of all the page builders to tell people to use. However, <laughs> we're living on a life raft, all of us together in the WordPress open source GPL community. It's not okay to start experimenting with a little pocket knife poking holes in the side of the raft just because you have 4 million users or 100 people. So those of us on the other side of the raft, I think, owe a duty to the rest of us to raise your hand and say, hey, hold on. Is this cool? What's going on is simply this. Elementor has grown and there's the free one which is allowing everybody to do most of what they need to get going. However, they often offer an outstanding pro version, which is really, really priced well. It's inexpensive as you can get. It's like 49 bucks for a regular license. You can do a thousand sites for only 149 bucks or something if you have a you know, coupon. So I can't say they're not pricing it right. They are, but here's the problem. In their latest version, 2.9.1, they modified the registration from the traditional, the, the site license owner, i.e. the developer, somebody who buys a thousand site license, used to just take the key, put the key in, and then their client can continue to get updates and you know, support or whatever for as long as that license key is good. But the software worked before, during, and after the activation. Now in 2.9.1, they've put in Albeit clever, a site owner or li- I'm sorry, license owner has to go in and log in and register and do an authentication from that site to Elementor in order for any of the features to work. And that, my friends, is crippleware. That is a blanket violation of the Article 3 of the, the GPL license uh, version 3. And Although they'll probably get away with it or they'll probably continue in some method, I think it's a bad business idea for them because if everybody follows suit, imagine what chaos we're going to be in. It's going to be like Microsoft circa 1993 again, where you build a site for a client and there's 12 plugins and every one of them has a phone home provision and a phone home license and a locked up thing and a there's no, there's no ability for us to do open source if you violate the rules of open source. I allow for anybody, and I live and die by this sword myself, the software is free. The software is for anybody to use. You're entitled to get paid. No, don't shake your head, John. That is what the GPL said. <laughs> sure. That is it. Yeah, yeah, well. Keep doing this. Like, that is what it is. It's like saying this stop sign is uh, optional because John Dunwood <laughs> doesn't feel like stopping. The law is the law. Which which is very often. I mean, the thing is, it's literally, let 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 me finish the sentence and let me use an example about right to repair. But the reason the GPL says what it says is simple. Because if you don't all follow the same rules, nobody can succeed. If the site author, whether it's Elementor or a newbie, writes software, the software is their contribution to the community. They can charge for support. They can charge for 
ongoing automatic updates. They can charge for accessories. They can charge for extra features and tchotchkes or live events. They can't cripple the software and call it GPL. In the same way that you can't say, I'm driving my car on the roads in the U.S. and I come to a stop sign, but because I'm Spencer Foreman, I decided I don't really need to stop here because, you know, hey, what, I'm me. That leads to chaos. In the, op- in the open source sort of repair community, Apple and the other companies are getting their shit handed to them because they've made all of their products where a simple five cent part used to be somebody in a repair shop could just fix for you. And they'd have the schematics, they'd have the parts. They'd, and, and like everybody who bought the product at retail continues to use the product forever. That's why there's these cars in Cuba from 1950s. They could just keep making stuff for it. Now, Apple and all these companies are crippling all of their components to the extent like you can't even get the chips or the parts. And that means that like an $800 iPhone with a five cent broken part has to be replaced. That is not the direction we want to go with WordPress. And it will lead to either a revolution or chaos that people have to fork over because that is not good. And since Elementor is doing so well, I just beg of them if they do see the show to just consider, is this really well, a good idea? I, um, we, me and AJ are going to be interviewing Ben um, their chief marketing and communication representative of Alimenta in April. And I will be asking him these questions. Um, before I put it over to John, um, I'll just put it to you, John, that I think this is actually going to be a growing um, thing we're going to see. And the reason why I think it is going to be a growing thing is I think a lot of companies do not know what Automatic are up to with Gutenberg and with their self-hosted ambitions. And I think everybody's jostling, trying to get as much market share as possible and then trying to protect themselves from whatever Automatic is planning. What do you reckon, John? Well, Automatic is definitely... Um, they have their own plans. I mean, it's been obvious since day one that they're trying to compete with Squarespace and Wix. I mean, they stopped focusing on Tumblr with the post formats. Now they're trying to basically become a hosted platform where people can pay, you know, 25, 30 bucks a month and publish their their site. And they want that big mass... um, market. And that's, you know, why they've taken on so much funding. I think that Elementor might fork WordPress or uh, something else and and break off into their own thing because they've taken a lot of funding too. Um, They've become one of the most popular uh, page builders. I mean, I think it's like them and, and Beaver Builder and Divi and Visual Composer probably have the 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 top four market share. I don't know what order, but um, you know they might be aware of like what they're doing. But what what is automatic going to do about it? I mean, quite honestly, I mean, I, I totally agree with everything that Spencer just said. I mean, the GPL licenses, the software is free, and the support is what you charge for the support and the updates. But you know, automatic is is basically. Um, they're doing whatever they want um, and, and being able to piggyback off of their ecosystem is, you know, through the uh, theme repository, plugin repository, all that stuff is, I mean, you can still make money doing that for sure. Absolutely. But um, maybe elementary is going to go their own way. Cause I, I can't, I, I can't think that they're unaware 
of, of that. They're probably just thinking like, well, what is Automatic going to do about it? Well, what, so Adrian, I can assure you if you just did what Elevator has just done with your own product, you'd be out of the directory like today. You would be gone. Um, what do you reckon about it? Do you think there's some... Um, what I said of the reasons, I just feel everybody's trying to cover their back and if they think they're pushing it and they think they can get away with it, they're going to do it. And I think more and more companies are going to do this. What do you reckon, Adrian? So I'm thrown back three weeks ago. We talked about WP Forms, their pro version. They did the same thing. Uh, they locked down uh, they locked down WP Forms with their pro version. If you did not update your license, there was a Twitter thing about it. We talked about it and they inevitably ended up reverting back and stopping that behavior pretty much immediately. Uh, so just as soon as it showed up, it went away. Um, WP Forms has 2 million active users. I don't know what percentage of that is premium. Um, so around about half of what Elementor's current market share is. The only thing is that Elementor is now kind of like, it, Elementor is a sticky product, right? It is a painful <coughs> process to migrate from one page builder to another with all of your stuff. So once you have sticky software and it becomes a burden and a hassle to leave, customers become complacent with whatever they have to put up with in order to keep on using the product once they've invested a certain amount of time and a certain amount of cost into that product. Uh, forms, not as sticky. It's relatively, a lot of them have like migration tools. You can just like click a button and it migrates all your stuff from one platform to another. Not so with, with page builders. So kind of like what John said, you know, it's like, what, what's anybody really going to do about it? And uh, I suppose the question is, is it ethical and is it okay? And, you know, technically, according to GPL, Spencer said, no, it's not. And I, I guess one of, the, one of the questions is, you know, if, this, if the license expires and they're no longer able to collect any fees from whoever the license holder is, does it stop whatever was, what was ever was built with the pro features from working? Or does it does it just prevent them from building more? That's kind of what WP Forms does. It did prevent any of their forms from working, but it prevented you from creating more. And if that's like the same thing that Elementor is doing, it's probably a really, really great way to increase renewals. Um, is it ethical? Very, 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 very great area. And if I ever did that as a small plugin, you know, with like a thousand people using it, I would not have a great day. Uh, if, for, if, if people, you know, decided like, this is not okay, Adrian, I would not have a great day because the number of people that are upset would outweigh the number of people who are complacent. However, I think the number of people who are upset about this are greatly outweighed by the number of people who are complacent. And therefore, I don't see how really this is going to have any sort of long-lasting mm. Yeah, I see where you're coming I from. I want to propose a different how approach. Yeah. How much their, um, I just want to know, put, their PR matters um, to them. Sally, I just want to put this question to you. Um, I agree a little bit what's agent, but there's one person that might get really upset who's got a track record of when the license is directly challenged like this, that they've got a history of acting and acting forcibly, and that... 
that's a person called Matt. And um, what do you think he's going to do? Because he has got a track record when this is a direct challenge, isn't it? You know, there's no, it, I, it, no he's question about it. not a person about. who backs down from that sort of a, a challenge. And, um, no. you know, and, and I'm also thinking that, you know, even if technically, even if this doesn't affect the product that's in the repository in terms of that being crippleware, um, you know, I, I do think that uh, there there is a fair likelihood of of the free version getting getting evicted if the if the pro version is not uh, yeah. playing by the GPL rules. And you know, even if Matt himself does not decide to uh, take that on as as a challenge, and we get a a replay of uh, the thesis issue, um, uh, that. If there are enough people in the WordPress community who are normally pro-elementor who get upset about this, that they may decide to change their minds because they don't want to piss off the fan base that's part of why their product is on so many websites. That, you know, so many people who are building websites use it and then that's what their clients end up with and then, you know, on and 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 on. That sure, there are probably a lot of end users of, of Elementor who might not notice. The, it, but the people who are buying a thousand site licenses are not um, you know, the the end user clients. So Kim, so I, I see this getting there's one thing that gets old Matt going is these kind of challenges to the open source status of WordPress, isn't it? it well, yeah, I'm, I'm with Sally on that. But I also, what you said, Sally, about the development community, I think is the, the complacency piece is definitely maybe they stay complacent with their current clients. But if you're a developer and you've got the thousand site license and you're seeing it go this way, who are you going to put your next 10 clients on? Right. You know, you may have to support some of this, but that's where you see people start shifting from one page builder to another if they're really irritated with whatever, with whatever it is. Um, I didn't even know about that. So I appreciate the update, Spencer. I don't think that, I mean, I don't think, sorry to interrupt, but like, I don't think that Matt is going to give a rat's ass about this. I think that the issue is between the end user developers and Elementor. And I think that Kim's picked up on that properly, but the end result though, and this is really what's happening is that like Elementor's got VC money. Now I smell a VC influence in this decision. This is a power play. This is a scenario of, you know what, we're already exploring the idea that we'll just go on our own in some way or another. But I, Again, I, I think Vito has connections. I have other friends and, and professional relationships in this area. I would love to hear directly from the horse's mouth. Do they feel that with such goodwill and such a lead and such amazing stuff, do they really want to piss on the fire plug of all the people in the community, just like, you know, Wu Themes did way back when, when they gave up their license? And although it'd be hilarious to see another Chris Pearson, you know, boxing match, I don't think Matt gives a shit because... He's already doing that with Jetpack. So it'd be a little hypocritical today for him. Well, but they've been completely hypocritical about the Jetpack thing all along. And I don't think that's stopping. I don't think that was stopping being even more hypocritical. He used to be be the, you know, the the whiz kid, wonder kid holding the torch of GPL. And now he's wearing the business suit being paid by, you know, the VC money. But I think that, you know, the guys and the women who run 
Elementor who are operational there, they are reasonable. And I do think, I really in my sincere heart believe that they would be sensitive to how this is being perceived. We saw how that happened with WP Forms and Saeed is clearly responsive. I think that that's the response, like Adrian said, that's the response we need to this, which is, hey, we know why you're doing this and it's okay that you want to protect your future revenue. Do it in a way that doesn't poke holes in the life raft that all the rest of us are living on because otherwise you're going to have a shitstorm of bad publicity. And it's really hard, i.e. Yoast, to recuperate when you are a bad actor in a small group of people that are all kind of knowing each other. So, Vito, to finish off, what do you think? Um, I think that, like, well, it's been a kind of an interesting discussion where I agree with what you're saying about uh, that Jetpack is already doing this. And um, and I think that that Automatic are doing this on all kinds of activities, whether we kind of feel it or not, but Brett, uh, uh, bending their rules to their advantage, if you will. And they can because they own WordPress, whether we like it or whether we say it or not. Uh, so, um, so when someone else is coming into the game and challenges the rules, I like it. I think that this is what creates uh, progress. That's what creates discussion. And that, that is uh, definitely a discussion that is worth having. I definitely don't agree that, that this is like, this is so black and white, like a lot of people are describing these situations. Like Elemental has, been, has done so much to promote this uh, community and this ecosystem uh, over the past few years, then, uh, then you got to give credit for the companies. Even Yoast, fine, Black Friday, they put a banner. So what? You know, they've been there for, for more than 10 years, uh, you know, uh, supporting people, millions of, of websites for free. Millions of websites, each one of these companies, including uh, uh, the, the forms uh, 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 company, they are still doing that. And so what Elemental has done is not, they, they haven't disrupted any of their goodwill offerings into the community. They build communities, they do meetups, maybe virtual meetups now. They do, um, uh, you know, they, they have a, a free solution with 4 million people, uh, 4 million websites using this. Uh, they should get paid for what, they assigned as the poor thing. You're not cool with that? Fine. You're enjoying their podcasts. You're enjoying their meetups. You're enjoying their free plugins. You're enjoying all of that kind of stuff. Relax, you know? You get plenty of value in other places. Well, you might be right. Or the king might pronounce on his blog... The heretic. But that's the I, I, can, the I, can, I can tell you really yeah. want this to happen, Jonathan. You're like, you know. Well, we've seen it. We've seen it all well, before. Well, we'd have stuff to talk about for like the next yeah. several weeks. Yeah, <laughs> we well, the heretic, that. the king pronounces them um, as heretics. They're, um, it's usually the, the Pope Otto, who has to Otto, you a p- heretic, actually. But. And uh, um, Otto, Otto uh, acts and uh, they're gone for the directory the next day. And, you know, everybody starts piling in because the king has spoken, you know. Or There's be- more ways to support the community than to give your code for free. And, uh, and, and they are doing it, you know. But that's, that- that's not even my issue. I mean, Vito, as I preface this by saying, I don't think they could be any more generous in their pricing or their 50% affiliate. I have zero issues with their intention or the goodwill or the community. That's zero. My thing is the, it's one thing when the king says, do as I say, not as I do. But when one of the subjects in the kingdom starts doing it, 
then we no longer have a system of laws or a system of rules that everybody or else... we can. have a new reality that will but, evolve but, and will give people the ability to provide but, value in other ways, like in every other industry. Okay, I mean, listen, I accept your premise because I am a chaos theory person. I think we're living in a great time where all this craziness is actually good for humanity because it shakes the snow globe. Exactly. So I accept your premise. Okay, let's use your premise then as a conversational point of what happens from this. This literally leads to a, a destruction in maybe a good way of the WordPress ecosystem and the GPL because as soon as they get away with it, the next and the next and the next and the next and everybody becomes fractioned or factioned off. And then we've got a situation where, okay, great. But I want to tell you as an old man in this group that I lived through the 1990s where every freaking thing you did was a license paying Bill Gates or, or Ellison or somebody else. And every single installation was a nightmare of epic proportions of licenses. And it was horrendous. And the piracy was, was, you know, wild and free because everybody did not, and everybody did not want to pay these it people. It still is. And, and felt total. Oh, piracy will be there forever. But, but you know, that people who otherwise might have been willing to pay for something, just thought that these companies were so evil that they preferred to steal it. Right. I get it, but, but because if you don't see the goodwill in other, in other ways or you don't feel that you're being supported from uh, a few other angles, you know, like it's a lot of, it's a communication breakdown uh, when, you're, when you're describing it like that because uh, there are companies, even Microsoft, that needs to get paid for, uh, for the software that they've been developing. They have hundreds and hundreds of people that sit every day in front of a screen and write code so that so that we can yeah, well, uh, Microsoft uh, advance has our evolved own a lot as a company, and and I think they have a lot more good people feel a lot more good for them than they did. I want to I want to end this, and we need to get on to some of the other stories. Well, let, me, but let, me, let me add but, one thing because my suggestion is simple, Vito. My suggestion is they're entitled, as they had been doing, to protect. You can't get the latest and greatest version without, and I accept this. The owner of the license has to schlep their ass over to your site and register it once. I accept that. I get that. It's a pain in the butt. It really is instead of giving out the key of, you know, anonymously. But I do not accept that that means that they're somehow going to lose their revenue or business if in the future the software just works as intended. So if somebody gets like version 2.91 and years later we're at version 5.0, it's just complete bullshit that the old legacy software doesn't run without me schlepping back there five years later to fix it for them. I just, want, I just want to make it, my position clear. I would not be surprised that at this present moment, the king is not in discussion with the rebels. Uh, um, and it's been done in a civilized way. But if, if they do not listen to what the king wants... Are, um, they're going to find... Why are you nurturing this, Jonathan? Uh, this king and subject kind well, of concept. Well, he is. He, 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 he is the this, king. This is, is, I hate this it. Jonathan's bugbear, that's why. Well, he, right. is, he is the uh, um, um, de facto dictator WordPress. And, um, uh, you know, I've seen when, um, when um, he was confronted with somebody that challenged him on this particular subject... He's he went ape shit, didn't he, Spencer? He went full berserker again, and he's been after this guy ever since. You know, um, uh, you know on an amazing level of vindictiveness 
really. But when he's challenged on this particular subject, he does not mess around, does he, Spencer? No, but I think the difference between now and then is that now he knows that if he holds a mirror up to an individual company about this, they're going to hold the mirror right back up to him. And I feel like he's now wearing a suit of clothes instead of his, you know, hipster, cool, hippie dude outfit with a beard and stuff. I don't think, I I disagree slightly with you because I never thought it was about his image. I thought it was about uh, making sure who who clearly owned this. And and I saw uh, Matt wear suits now and again in the olden days. I'm going to tell you, let's make a bet here because we have other bets. I have my own bet still outstanding about the, you know, different things where WordPress is going. Let's make a bet. I'm going to bet Matt does not personally intervene. Will it happen silently? Probably. Will Otto get involved? Most definitely. Will other people as henchmen get involved? Certainly. Will Matt make a public statement about this? My bet is no. Anybody else care to chip in? Um, I, I don't think you will. I agree with, uh, with I, you. I, I suspect think it's gonna that you would prefer to handle it, uh, handle it privately uh, yeah. and and politely. Um, well, my my prediction is if Alameda doesn't move on this, he will. Because if there's one thing that you want to get a response from him, it's challenging the license. And, it, and he's made it clear over his history that he's prepared literally to do anything to defend that status of the license. And if you directly challenge it without, and he is hypocritical about it, but without being sanctioned by him and his cronies, you're going to get trouble. And it's really that simple. We're going to go for a break. Hopefully we're going to discuss the other stories a bit quicker. Uh, It's probably going to go on a little bit longer, another 10 minutes this show. But we've got some great stories and we've got a great panel. We'll be back in a few moments. Are you a WordPress consultant, designer, or small digital agency owner? Then you need WP Tonic as your trusted white-label developer partner for your next big e-learning or WooCommerce project. WP Tonic has the knowledge to help you build out custom functionality that your clients need in LearnDash, Lifter LMS, and WooCommerce. WP Tonic is well-known and trusted in the WordPress community. They stand behind their work with a full, no-question-asked, 30-day money-back guarantee. So don't delay. Find out how WP Tonic's white-label services can help your agency today. Go to wp-tonic.com's homepage and book a free consultation with Jonathan. That's wp-tonic, just like the podcast. Coming back, Max. Max probably already phoning Israel as we speak. The voice of re- <laughs> the voice of reason. Uh, we see how reasonable he is when he sees that the license has been so directly challenged. Um, on start, I, yes, I do. I do have. I just want to throw in a. Uh, for anybody listening, maybe a plugin developer who's in a situation where they want to ensure that people renew, there is a there is a relatively you know clever solution to the problem of how do I ensure that you know the product in some way, shape, or form stops working so that people are incentivized to renew without crippling the product that they're using, and that is to introduce a level of software as a service to your service offering. Uh, that is, you become somewhat dependent on for solutions hosted off of whatever the client site is. That's what the automatic do as well. That's what With automatic the, does. A lot of their services are software as a service base, and those will stop working if you stop paying. In Elementor situation, they have a lot of templates that are only accessible if you have a premium paid license. And that is a software as a service component that they have to their business that people rely on 
that would require people to continuously pay for the license. <laughs> that's, 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 that was a shock. I thought he was joining us. I, I, got, all, I got all hot and bothered there. Uh, um, God, my temperature went up by five degrees. Uh, um, so, uh, Adrian brings up a good point. We talked about this another time, which is the difference, and I'm not saying they can or shouldn't do that, but the point is, you need to decide who you are up front. You can't go from being a plug-in to a software as a service without the agreement of the people that have subscribed to the thing. So I agree if they came up front and said, hey, we have this new version. It's a SaaS version or you know whatever. Then it's the same conversation like the WP Forms, which is like, hey, I didn't know you were going to lock me into this like phone home thing forever. And, and that's where the rub is. I don't mind. I have no complaints even with paying the money and recommending everybody buy it. That's what I do. That's my whole shtick. Try on the clothes, see if they work, then go buy the clothes. But it's the relationship with the GPL that really matters to me because of the chaos of the 1990s and the stuff when you guys were in vitro that I was living through. And I don't want to go back there in WordPress. You know? oh, no, 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 no,
and just make it look and feel a little bit more like the classic editor. Why do we need 70 pixels of padding around the editor, whether it's in the full screen mode or not? Why does everything have to be hidden? So I have to be like a two-finger slack kind of user to figure out where everything... Why can't they just make it all sort of like it was before, but it's just the block editor? Because then it's like, hey, I know where the steering wheel and the brake and the shifter is. I can just drive this car and feel like, what's the big deal? As it is now, I'm constantly a little bit like one of those cranky old men, of course, where, uh, where is this thing? It's just somewhere, but where is it? And it's just so easy to fix. It's a, it is challenging because you are trying to move stuff around. I think the padding, which annoys a lot of people, is meant to like give you room to do the dragging and the dropping. But... You know, they could presumably design that uh, differently. Um, you know, I know those kinds of tools are sort of within the container for Beaver Builder, which I've used. I haven't used Elementor for a couple of years. I can't remember what it's what it's like. Um, and I think it would help people to get a sense of like, do I need to add more padding to this or not? Um, to not have that. Uh, the hidden stuff is awkward it's you know at what point are have you ceased removing distractions and and started making something just hard to use so what do you reckon kim i still struggle with gutenberg i have to admit i'm most of my sites i'm still using classic or i'm using one of the page builders Mm -hmm. and um but because of still teaching some, I've had to adapt and I still have to. It's just not, it's not there natural for me. I still have to stop and go figure it out before I teach it or, or support a client because it's, and, and every time they make a change, like you say, Spencer, and they hide more from me. <laughs> Well, I can like, tell, I can now t- I have to go dig around again. It, do, it, it does get easier. I've gotten to the point where it's harder for me to use the classic editor. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. I'm the totally opposite. We're supporting over 60 websites, Sally, and there's just one which John is helping me with, which is a, a migration, and they want they they insisted that they're going to use Gutenberg. Everybody else I'm supporting, Sally, either they're on the old editor or they're using one of the page builders. Uh, I haven't got anybody that I'm supporting that's using Google. Well, none of... Pretty much nobody that I work with uh, was using page builders or or not like on the whole site, but only for for certain types of of things. Um, And, uh, you know, the classic editor... Uh, unless you're basically just, you know, mm. writing words, um, really sucks hairy donkey balls. Uh, not to put too fine a point on it. We all complained about it and about what would yeah. happen if you try to, you know, that, that, so, you know, if it's that, and if it's a matter of, you know, I want to be able to put this th- block here on this post and not down here, uh, it, it gives you a, you know, a kind of flexibility that you didn't necessarily have for things like where are your event fields going or where are your uh, product fields going or, or whatever. So, uh, you know, I, I think uh, while it's still a little bumpy and while anything that's new 
Hey, well, suggesting to. I just got a quick question, and then I'll see if the panel wants to move on. Like Spencer or Sandy, how well does Gutenberg work with WooCommerce at the present moment? Works fine because it's just a shell. All that you need for WooCommerce is just the checkout shortcode, the cart. There's only a few shortcodes left. Everything else is just an endpoint, so it doesn't matter. With launch flows, it doesn't matter either because all we're really doing is you take the, the basic shell of the page and you wrap it. So it really has very little effect in the WooCommerce realm. It really has very little effect on almost all of the plugins, including the ones like you know LearnDash and Lifter and the output of the various you know uh, affiliates, where it kills you. Is as Kim alluded to and so forth, and you guys have said your own opinions, is that it kills you when you need to use something, for example, that has a tiny MCE widget. For example, mm-hmm. there's a little one that we use sometimes to help where it's called insert pages. It's a classic tiny MCE tool. There's no tiny MCE capacity for that out of the box. And so I'm suffering like, really? You can't just put the tiny MCE standard toolbar in as a block? so that I could just use all the legacy stuff. Now I have to go to classic editor mode for one page. Um, and that's can't you just put a classic block in? No, because it doesn't the work. It doesn't, doesn't have the whole they, setup. Tiny MC editor is very fussy and their implementation of it does not have a legacy part to it. So they need to do some work on that so that anything that used to, let's say, have a callback to the, you know, the, the tiny MCE toolbar will work. It's not that way right now. And so, yeah, now you're left with this sort of, Oh, one page I have to change to use classic editor in a Gutenberg environment. And it's like, come on. That's well, yes. Or you need an alternative tool to, to do what you were using that thing for. All right. Then. Yeah. Time. I had the same problem with like a timer tool. Cause yeah, cause the button just disappears. And uh, until the, the, all the plugins around it will upgrade to figure out either create a little block or give you another way of accessing it. It's kind of, you're locked out of the plugin because of the interface change. Great. So, does anybody got anything else to say about this, or shall I move on to the next story? Oh, you got something to say, John? Right? No. Move on. He's saying. Move move on. So, number two, open source recession proof. What did you think of this one, Adrian? Um, I don't necessarily agree. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) uh, Open open source. uh, Is I mean, as an as an open source company, the the true reality is that someone's paying for it. And if the person who's paying for it experiences a lack in revenue over an extended period of time, they will no longer be able to maintain it. And unless someone decides to fork it or they see another revenue opportunity for that piece of software, it will die. Uh, and I feel like that's a that's a reality for people who publish and produce software in the open source industry, maybe with the, the exception of WordPress, although someone continually pays for WordPress development. Uh, so, I mean, there's even truth in what I'm saying in there. Is it recession-proof? Um, well, like, I guess I, just, I answered my own question. The only thing to def- defend the article, and I had some reservations like what you've just expressed, is that in the, in the past couple of recessions, companies have tended to look at open source as a, a morphology to cut costs, as a as a way of being able to reduce their licensing costs to some degree. That is certainly true, and we. I actually, in a previous office hours, I did. I emphasized the importance of seeking open source tools because even if the company behind it is who is producing it, it doesn't go away. 
if they go under. And that's and you then can take on the responsibility of updating your own stuff or, or forking it or whatever you want to do. But if you are dependent on, a say, a software as a service tool and you are paying for them and they get hit bad by a, by a bad recession and their service goes under, then if you were dependent on that software as a service product, you're kind of shit out of luck and felt, you know, you're left scrambling for an alternative solution. That doesn't happen with open source because most of everything is self-hosted. And that way you can mitigate any risk and dependencies from other software as a service companies or other service providers that you become dependent on. So there is something to be said that open source is recession proof in a sense that your business will be technologically independent of other service providers and their financial situation in a recession. But the people who create open source and who are funding the development of open source are not necessarily recession proof. Hopefully that's oh, Yes, I think it, I think it's it's sort of like, you know, so far we have not had a recession of the sort where nobody at all had any work. Um, you know, we've had recessions of the sort uh, where there was higher unemployment and often certain sectors were hit very hard. Um, so, yeah, if, you know, if suddenly everybody who contributes to open source was out on the street, uh, they wouldn't be able to, you know, do open source development. But I think to the degree that anything is recession-proof, open source sort of as a concept, uh, as a method of building, might continue. Uh, it doesn't mean that if you create an open source pr product, that's going to be recession-proof, that, that you won't be hit. You know, that as Dries said, you know, there were a number of Drupal agencies that saw an uptick probably mm -hmm. because the companies that they, yeah. you know, that they built for were saying, ah, well, we're going to use, you know, something that doesn't have the same sort of licensing cost because we need to save money, but we're still paying $100,000 to use a, build a Drupal site. Um, and maybe it's also... But the, compared to some of the full, fully SaaS or commercial models, it was still a saving, wasn't it? Well, it, probably because, the, you know, the kind of numbers that large corporations work with are, you know, they, they, they're, they're beyond what's actually meaningful to me. Um, it, and it's also the possibility that, you know, a lot of people who use WordPress are kind of on team free shit anyway. Uh, so, uh, you know, if, if you are already not being paid for a lot of stuff you're doing, you won't see a difference in the income coming from it. Um, but you might see that you have to do something else with your time besides, uh, you know, besides building something free. So Spencer, what do you think of, te you know, team shit free? Free shit. <laughs> free team free shit. Yeah. Like Sally's formula. For, Sally's formula is like the entrepreneurial's formula, which is, you know, inspiration or idea times execution equals success. So zero times zero is still zero. <laughs> She's saying, like, if you're making nothing, this recession is going to be great. You're not going to have any problem. Um, I think, because I'm, again, the, the grandfather of the group, there was three recessions I lived through because you can go way back to 88. I don't know, Spencer. You and I are probably in that together. Uh, we are, uh, Spencer and, and John and, and uh, I are all the same age. Okay, um, so, oh, so you're, then you're, you're younger than I am because John's a year younger than I am. I'm 72, so I don't know what you guys are talking about. You are not 72. <laughs> so when, when, I, 
experienced these. I was at different ages, right? My Me too. 30s and 40s. Um, Here's the facts that I see, which is really an immutable thing. It doesn't have to do with recessions. Not Recessions are the virtual shaking up of a snow globe in any ecosystem in nature and in human relationships. We've got these things that settle into the ways that they are. And then something comes along that's a a catalyst, right? It's like a, a, a Vesuvius event. And then everything is changed. There are always going to be winners and losers. But the one thing that is immutable in my world is if you take an entrepreneurial skill-based mindset, you will win because even though it will be hard and it will be a challenge, you will come out ahead because what people don't take into consideration, especially people, let's say our peers in their 50s and so forth, is that well, they're so built into the thing they've been living with for 20 or 30 years yeah, that they can't right. imagine. Mm-hmm. Oh, is it possible that I could give up this office with the 65 people payroll that I have to pay and all the crap that I have to do? And then one day it all goes away and they realize like, shit, I'm making a better living at home in my jammies with my kids running around with no stress than I ever did running that huge business. Wait, wait, kids running around does not equal no stress. <laughs> well, I'm just saying, you know, somebody, like, like somebody else's kids running around. But that's the point is that if you take a mindset of an entrepreneur, in, even if you've been an employee mindset or you've been a sort of a corporate mindset, it really helps you to get through this because the opportunities that will exist and are already showing themselves, the old things will break and go away and new things sprout up to take their place. And somebody has to take charge of that. So it literally is like a new deal for anybody. Even if we never could leave our houses again, which by the way, wouldn't be so bad to many of us. I don't think that means there's no opportunity. I mean, now there's an infinite variety of new services and support things and online things. You just have to go take action to learn the skills that will help you do that. And I know it sounds a little cliche, but you can look to three recessions if that's true and even look farther back. You know, when cars came around, yeah, you know what? The horse and buggy people were probably really upset. Uh, There goes my wagon wheel business. That's too bad. But it didn't happen overnight. It just took them a while to realize, oh, I got to start doing something else for cars. And that's what's going on here. Right. Anybody else wants to say anything about this? Or shall I move on? Uh, yeah. Is, oh, do you want to? Or shall I move on, John? Shall I move on? Oh, sorry. No, I want to say something really quick. So this the, the way this question is framed is the wrong thing. It's saying, is open source suggestion proof? And as Spencer and Sally already pointed out too, the example that they use in this is Drupal. Now, the Drupal, yeah. um, the people who use Drupal or agencies, people, it's generally a lot different than the, the base for WordPress. Now, the people who make products or plugins or themes like Adrian and Vito and Spencer and Chris, they're going to be fine because they have um, annual or monthly recurring revenue for their products. The people who build websites are falling into two things. It's people who are like losing money right now in WordPress or, or, you know, knock on wood, people who have a, a client base to where they're still viewed as essential. A lot of people are getting cut back now because they're not viewed as essential. And it's exposing a lot. If you're making websites for, you know, life coaches or whatever, uh, photographers or restaurants or whatever, then, then you're in a world of hurt. Where this 
uh, article talks about the example of Drupal is there's one thing that they don't talk about is a lot of the organizations that tend to use Drupal are like government, educational, like universities, or like big corporations. And those things have money and the agencies that support those websites and businesses and organizations are tend to not going to get cut because those organizations still have right. money. Anyway, you got to make you got to make sure that the people that you're retainers, you're you're getting them something, some ongoing result. Otherwise, they're going to chop you, aren't they, John? Well, you got to make yourself sticky, like Elementor. You have to. You, you have know, to be. I, I have to be it, essential. Right. It, I think it depends a lot on what kind of sector you work for. If you are a if you're a developer or an implementer a person, a person who builds websites or 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 does things for websites, because you know, if your clients right now can pivot to online services where they had in-person services, then they need their websites, like their websites are a whole lot more essential than they used to be. Mm-hmm. But if your business just has to close down uh, and you're going out of business. You know, if, if your clients go out of business, they can't pay you uh, and they ho- have no need for, for your services. So, yeah, it, you know, it, 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 well, you know if you're really specializing in, our in a certain, you know, leisure sector, bar sector, um, consumer, you know, business to consumer sector, you're in a lot of hurt at the present moment. Well, yeah. If you if 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 you work mainly for restaurants, um, and they and they can't do uh, you know, the, and the restaurant is not in a position to do the delivery takeout thing, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's a great time to be a consultant who gets restaurants on Uber. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've noticed there are new services popping up for like finding delivery and takeout, yeah. and people trying to support stuff. And people, there are people responding really creatively. To yeah. the current situation, and as Spencer said, you know the shakeups do provide opportunities for people who are in a position to take advantage of them. But that will never be everyone. But yeah, but that but that is the point. The point is, and everything you said, I agree. It, it's if you service corporations, corporations are locked up; they can't spend money because they don't have clients. They're gonna, like if you're in a hotel business. So what do you do about it? The practical thing, which I'm saying has been borne out by three different recessions, is you accept it early. You accept it immediately. You move on to what's the next thing. So, for example, around here where we're not completely, completely locked down, we have it where restaurants are still making food. Now they need a whole delivery system like that's mobile friendly. They need drivers to coordinate. There's a million web-based opportunities that could be brought out by WordPress or by your skills. You need to do the hustle now and say, I'm not going to get a dollar from my corporate clients. I got to go find those restaurants in my local town where... I can make this happen. And it's hard for people who have been employee mindset or, oh, I got that corporate paycheck coming. But that's the difference in the real world in the survival mode of animals that survive that long winter. They go and start eating different berries or, you know, killing other food to to survive. And then at the end of this, yeah, there's a different hierarchy. Those people who didn't do it are going to suffer. And it's sad, but... Yes. I mean, certainly if you can think of ways to help your clients survive... Um, tell them because that's going right. to be good for you. <laughs> yeah, if they're, if they're prepared to listen. Um, I propose to drop story three. I'm going to go on to story four because I think I'm all interested in story four. Why 
800 WordPress believers invested over 1 million in a new approach to hosting WordPress. Um, being what Spencer's been saying about hosting, um, I'm just going to, I'm interested in why um, uh, 800 people did invest. But secondly, also um, the business um, container that they utilise to generate this. Now, Spencer, 800 people think there is a future in WordPress hosting. Were you a bit surprised, Spencer? No, because this actually supports my argument all along, which is to say hosting is a commodity item by itself, right? So like we talked about before, and although I, I love Jason Cohen and the whole team, like WP Engine is selling a fairy tale, which it's just super hyper-cached, hyper-varnished, Shared hosting. That ain't you gotta get that varnish onto it. Where other brands, which I'm not gonna mention because they sponsor this show, do similarly. I recommend always Cloudways because Cloudways is the Costco. It's no, 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 no. I'm not having, I'm not having this. I'll be loving kids. Let me finish. If you're looking for a good WordPress hosting, go to kids. Let me finish. <laughs> Cloudways. I get no piece of anybody visiting Cloudways. I'm not Cloudways. Keep the reason stuff. I like it is because <laughs> it's Emperor's New Clothes story. It is literally, you are buying... You've, what gone, you, you've gone across that line, Spence. You oh, can say anything, but, but you got to see... Let finish. The- <laughs> Let me finish. The point is, I've said all along that WordPress hosting as a commodity cannot be a business. That's not what they're doing. What I see them doing is they're saying... You guys can all join us as owners to affect the direction we take, which is we're going to offer some kind of a really concierge crafted for the type of, you know, paying customers we have service, which could entail maybe auto installations or could do special kinds of caching environments. Whatever they end up doing, this is a participatory ownership play where they, even if it's fractionally shared, will have a say-so. And instead of it being an institution where a couple brothers in Florida run the whole goddamn server farm, screw you, it's going to be, hey, you all have a say in what we do. And as an experiment, it's also reflective of what Syed Balkin and all the other people are doing with the WordPress space. Hey, there's a lot of businesses that are coming out of one person in their shed. Let's build a business based upon something interesting. And it accepts the premise that I don't think argues with my point, which is the hosting is the commodity part. That's like the text messaging. But there's a million services like Twilio that are based on text messaging being essential. So, Vito, what did you think of that of this? Uh, first of all, I know Tom, and um, and uh, there is a great guy. You know, just as a as a guy that that kind of like ran through this thing. It's not its first rodeo. You know, uh, um, doing. Um, building a company, but also doing a fundraise. Uh, and that is what this is about in my mind. You know, how do people fundraise in the space? And uh, we've saw, we saw like a few examples of uh, what happened uh, just a couple of weeks ago, you know, with Elementor and uh, Static that uh, did amazing rounds, each one of them. And just six months ago with, uh, uh, you know, with uh, Automatic bringing a, a, a cool 300 mil into the game. Uh, so one is not such a big a deal compared to some of the money that's been running in the space uh, over the past kind of a couple of uh, couple of months. Uh, but it's still a very kind of it's uh, 
from what I've seen, is the first time that someone took this route to fundraising to build something nice in the space. And I like it. I think it's, a, it's an awesome approach. Uh, first of all, it creates uh, what we call in the marketing space, like, uh, you know, hound dogs for you. So now he has 800 hound dogs that will go out and spread the word uh, as to uh, all of his uh, um, is uh, is uh, uh, upcoming service and stuff, um, and he has a nice kind of like uh, you know buffer to start running and start building a proper proper business, not a business like Spencer saying that is uh, in the garage. You know, fine, let it start in the garage, but in your mind, you're already in the in the you know in the corporate offices or the corporate home offices nowadays. Um, so, so that's the kind of approach people want to build big businesses, and the the the, the ecosystem now evolved to a place where it can support that and allow that. And uh, so this is just like one of approach, one approach to fundraising. And I think you're going to see a lot more of this. Uh, I don't think it has to do with hosting. I think that this has just happened to a hosting company, but it's a product, you know, it's just like, it's a, you know, they're offering some kind of a, um, a product as a service, if you you know, if you will. Thank uh, you. All right. I, yeah. Thank you, but I know somebody that you know that's trying to do that with learning management systems and bundled it with hosting. Do you mm-hmm. know that guy, Kim? There's a couple of them right now, actually. All right. But there's only one really good one that thought of it first, isn't there? Um, but yeah. <laughs> For those of you who don't know, he's referring to himself. He's referring to himself. Um, there are a couple others too. And, um, well, we won't consider those on this show. <laughs> we only consider Come on, Jonathan. Jonathan. Shut you down. He's going to not let you talk. I know. <laughs> yeah, but Jonathan, you're not looking for funding, although maybe this is giving you an idea. Is that why you picked this story? Well, you know, you know my <laughs> devious mind, my English devious mind. I'm the chess player. Well, you know, jo- Jonathan's been the ch- a, I'm always scheming. De- desperate something. to have a smash hit SaaS product for years. So. Right. I mean, I think there's something to be said for... I, I'm going out big, that folks. Hosting, <laughs> that piece of, of crowdfunding itself is, I think, something we will see more of, not just in the WordPress space, but we're seeing it a, a lot of places. I have a client launching a kind of a Kickstarter for space. I live on the space coast and people are very interested in those kind of projects. But I, I do think to take away from Spencer for what you said about hosting being a commodity for hosting companies, the way to try to move that is to do, Jonathan, like what you said, people who are trying to specialize it in, we're going to build this to work best for a specific type of mission critical, critical business, right? Because, for example, the LMS space, which is where I play, it's a very different type of load a lot of times than a regular marketing site because if everybody's writing to the database all the time and they're in the back end, you you can't cash that. So there's different hosting requirements. So that's where I see hosting moving out of a pure commodity. I totally refute what Spencer said about Kinsta, but when it, I totally agree with him when it comes to WP Engine. I would not, um, I would not suggest that somebody put on a membership site on WP Engine if they want a reasonably nice experience because I've done it. I've, I've been forced to do it. It's not been a great experience for my team nor for the clients. So I would not suggest it personally myself, but other people rave about them. So 
I think what what Kim is saying right right is that there are certain environments that are optimized for different for different use cases. That's kind of like you know like Spencer saying it was commoditized. People say that like the websites are all commodity nowadays as a as a whole. You know, just like the actual website itself. What people pay is for the service, is for the your expertise, is for you know for us to be digital consultants, if you will. You know, that's as uh, as someone that is taking the person from one from point A to point B. Uh, but the website is just you know it's like uh, it's flour. You know, it's not the cake. Well, it was, uh, in, in the learning mansions, you know, I'm a member of a few forums and I join a few Zooms. Um, um, agent does the same. And like for a long while, SiteGround, if you were looking for a cheap, cheaper end of the learning management hosting, you used to say go to SiteGround. Well, they're falling out with a number of people that, you know, seemingly I'd I don't know if this is true. I can only give you the feedback that I've been hearing that their support and the quality of hosting that you're getting from SiteGround recently has declined and they're getting a lot of complaints. So the situation is fluid. It changes. What do you reckon, John? Am I talking rubbish or? Uh... No, I've heard of another company that was um, acquired by WP Engine a while back too. And they, uh, are, are getting even more like pushback as as their services uh, n- not that great. It is fluid. I think um, this hosting company that's um, they're, they're basically owned by the people. I think it's great. Let's do more of that. By Birdie, they're owned by Birdie. Yeah. Yeah. It's just uh, there's en- there's enough companies that are shadow. I love I, I, that's why we, I, I love John because you know when I yeah. come out he just said uh, yeah sure. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, I mean, there's enough companies that are like shadow owned by like bigger corporations, like Automatic owns uh, some of these companies, and WP Engine owns a lot of companies. So you know, more privately owned by the people that I'm, I'm all for it. Yeah, but, you know. Means. You know, uh, if you if you got a really you know, but um, you know, Pagely, you know, great company, but you know, I think you got to be of a certain size and a certain profitability before you start looking at Pagely. Um, Chris would disagree with me, um, but you know, there is not one solution that fits all scenarios. That's the basic thing I want to point out. There's there's this kind of Especially when you get, if you want to get a crowd of WordPress people going, there's two things you can talk about. That's page builders and bloody hosting. If you want to get them going, that's what. And I think Adrian's going to is falling, he's going to sleep. But what did you reckon about this article, Adrian? Um, it's cool. The company now has 800 shareholders to answer to. I'm not sure I would want to be in that position because <laughs> everybody's got a got a bright idea. But I think it's a it's a cool concept. Uh, I kind of looked into the technology a little bit and didn't understand it at all. I'm not a I'm not a hosting person. I I just build plugins. Um, cool concept. Uh, I investigated the kind of like crowdsource funding mm. when I first started, and I decided so that I didn't really want the responsibility of following up on promises to whoever wanted to invest. So it'll be interesting to see that now that they have $1.1 million, which is, I did the, I did the math. It's $1,250 on average per investor. 
So it'd be interesting to see in terms of, all right, so now we have this money. We have 800 people to answer to. We are now responsible for creating a profitable product. We're going to see how that goes. And then once, you know, if it turns out to be a super viable and profitable business, then there's going to definitely be something to be said for, all right, you know, is this the new way to raise capital instead of going the VC route and kind of just having a, a, a venture capitalist looking over your shoulder at any point? telling you what from, shots to take. I think that from this angle, it's actually going to help them because w- the more people that you have that are kind of like invested into lower amounts, the less uh, stress or pressure that they can have on the business uh, because you're one of 800 instead of one. Right. I mean, you're not, you're not going to have one person in a position to, to dictate to you. Um, exactly. And with so many, you pretty much have to, you know, find a way of, um, you know, either you say, look, we're, you know, we're the ones who have the big picture and we want to hear all of your suggestions, but we're going to make the decisions about which ones get implemented, or you're going to have something like a, you know, of, you know, we want you to vote up these ideas. I totally hear where you're coming from, but it's almost like having 800 customers where the level of expectation is so much higher than just being a customer, right? It's like the level of expectation of their, of, you know, you listen to my suggestions or implement my feedback or anything is so much higher. And it's already so high, as I'm sure as Spencer and Vito, as the other product people in the room, the expectation is already so high for listening to feedback from customers. I'm going to be interested to see how, you know, what, what systems and processes are put in place and what expectations are set. For, for having kind of like that level of investors invested in one's business. We'll see. I think that uh, I agree with you that it's a matter like, you know, when we're dealing with clients and we're dealing with thousands of clients, they, they, have, uh, they, they all feel like they are, you know, the, the client. The center, uh, the center of the yeah. universe. Yeah, that's that's uh, that's sometimes true, and that yeah, that's part of the game that we play. But when it comes, when a feedback comes from a customer, it's different. They use the tool. They actually uh, uh, they live it day to day in a lot of the in a lot of cases more than us. Um, but when an investor comes in and, and gives in, how about you do I don't know like uh, reports, or uh, how about you move this button to this side, uh, or whatever that may be, um, it has no. It has no meaning. You know, they can talk about business models. They can talk about other stuff and actually maybe give you some interesting feedback like our users are giving us uh, that help us improve the product. Maybe they can do it from, uh, you know, from a different angle, not from the product side, but from actually building a business around this. But I would ask you this, you know, I'm invested in a bunch of different companies, not through crowdfunding, but on the stock market, you know, and I, I don't even think about contacting Amazon when I, because I invested a thousand dollars into them uh, uh, and, uh, and giving my feedback or giving the, uh, whatever, you know. So I think that uh, investors investing in this kind of level have a bit of a mindset of, all right, let's, uh, the let's let it, it, well, it, it really depends, I think, on, uh, you know, how many of these investors are in fact customers. And are exactly. going to be using this service. most most of them aren't because they started doing this before they had the customers. All right. uh, well, see, saying, I, I, just, I just want to wrap it up and just say to Vito that you know they, they were the, my glory days when I had stock investments, but there we go. Uh, um, so, <laughs> uh, um, 
so let's wrap up the story part. Let's go on to our recommendations. And my recommendation this week is Shane from Fry Themes. He's a guy that I've been listening to for a long time. He's one of the few people that I always listen to what he's got to say. Trying to get him to come back on the show. We're discussing the time for him to do that. And he has his own website and YouTube channel where he gives advice based on these 10 years of um, entrepreneur experience, and that's Active Growth. So if you go to Active Growth or go to his YouTube channel, he's got a fantastic collection of videos and articles all about WordPress and entrepreneurship, and I highly recommend it. He talks a lot of sense. So, Kim, have you got anything you want to recommend to the listeners and viewers? You're muted, Kim. You're still muted. Um, yes, I ran into a situation recently where someone was really having an issue where they'd had an LMS set up and she couldn't get it to work right. And I looked at it. She didn't need a full LMS. She has a membership type site, a lot of, lot of content, but it's not in order. So we just needed a way for people to keep track of what they had read on the membership site. So we found WP Complete. It was really easy to put in, does all the tracking and was much easier for her to actually right now, her team of in, interns is, is building out the rest of the site. Oh, there we go. John, have you got anything you want to recommend to this and viewers? Yeah, this is uh, from my friend, Todd E. Jones. He is uh, posting on his uh, um, YouTube channel, The Copy Flight Show. He's a copywriter. Um, good guy, uh, down to earth. He has some good practical advice. So if you're a small business um, trying to improve your website, your email marketing, or any other aspect that uses words, uh, follow Todd on uh, the Copy Flight show on YouTube. Adrian, have you got anything you recommend to listen to? Some, please put everything you recommend into chat. Can you, um, panelists, it helps me get the show notes up quickly. Got anything you recommend, Adrian? Yeah, so I uh, I'm going to recommend the Business Wars podcast. It's uh, uh, you you may or may not get valuable information out of listening to this podcast, but uh, you will hear stories of big companies battling it out uh, in the uh, in the ever changing pace of innovation. Uh, the one I particularly like was Netflix versus Blockbuster, uh, and uh, I was around despite what many of you may think, I was around when Blockbuster still existed. I rented movies from Blockbuster in my hometown of Ontario. And uh, it's not there anymore, as you can imagine. Um, and I found the whole story of how that came to be and, and the inevitable demise of Blockbuster and how closely it was actually related to Netflix. And uh, I had no idea that Netflix had such a profound impact. Because I remember the first like Netflix commercials with the freaking hamsters. And uh, that came on TV, and I'm like, wow, this is cool. $8 a month? Sounds great. And uh, so I remember that. And it was a really interesting. It's like series. It's episodic. So there's like three-part series of, uh, of podcasts that you listen to. They're like, so the whole story is like three, is something hours long. Really, really cool. Almost as long as some of my podcasts. I do. I uh, so. Yeah, there we go. Spencer, have you got anything you want to recommend to listeners and views? Uh, yeah, I do. And it's funny because... The blockbusters' mistake was their own kind of like shaking up the snow globe. Like they just made one 
oh, that Netflix thing is never going to catch on. And then boom, that's the end of that. So uh, screen.so is an alternative screen sharing that could be useful for those who want to be entrepreneurial with their new clients or their existing clients because it's free now for the regular unlimited use and as well as to have your hosting. So if you otherwise were trying to do Zoom or something else and you want your clients to know that they can do this for free, give this a try. The founder was the founder of Screen Hero. There's lots of services like Appear.in and so forth, but this one actually is pretty sophisticated. And since it's free now, and even later, it says it's only 20 bucks a month per enterprise, um, an alternative to Zoom, but obviously we all love Zoom, but I'm just saying these are trying times. This might be something to, to try as an yeah. alternative. Yeah. And Vito, have you got anything you want to recommend to the listeners and viewers? I do. Uh, so we actually started using Airtable uh, more um, solidly this week. And uh, it's incredible. I can't believe I'm just finding out about this thing now. Um, what is it? What is it? It's called Airtable. It's a it's collaboration Airtable. tool. Airtable, uh, yeah. It's like a spreadsheet, but proper. Uh, so you can do stuff around it. So, you know, like, for example, I was like... We're do, working do, you know, do you I've just noticed that you're... Your accent, it, it it goes into North London and then it oscillates back into Israeli. Have you noticed that yourself? <laughs> yeah, it's rubbing off on, on right, me. Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, which is not good in the corona uh, uh, time, you know. You don't want anything rubbing on you. Uh, but, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going there. I'm not, okay, I'm not going uh, there. <laughs> you discuss that with your pregnant wife. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so anyway, like for, just to give an interesting uh, use case, we're working on a spreadsheet and uh, just, you know, adding th- things and moving stuff around. And I was like, oh, my God, this would have been so easier on Trello, like it, it just dragging things in a Kanban view and just clicked something and I had it. It just happened uh, inside there, you know, and everything was draggable and awesome from there. And then you click and you go back to that view and you click and you go to a calendar and you spread your war map across the month of, with all the actions that needs to happen all from one place. Incredible, incredible tool. Right. I was just going to let the panel uh, quickly say how people can find more about them. Adrian, how can people find more about you and what you're up to? You can go to groundhog with two gs.io and learn about how you can communicate with your audience as everybody is at home and they have nothing better to do by sending them a really well written email right from your WordPress site. So you can go to groundhog with two gs.io to find out more about that. And John, how can people find more about you and what you're up to? Oh, uh, you can find me at my YouTube channel. Uh, if you just go on YouTube, search hashtag lockdown SEO. Uh, you'll find me. You can also find me at my website, Lockdown SEO. And Sally, how can people find out more about you and what you're up to? Uh, I am at Sally Getch on Twitter and Instagram um, and WP Fangirl, most other places. So uh, you can look for me, although where you're going to actually find me right now is on Avenidas.org. I am collecting resources. And I tell you, there are a lot of interesting things to do from home that, that I might look into if I only had time. All right. Kim, how can people find out more about you and what you're up to? Uh, you can find me at kimshivler.com or Twitter at kimshivler. And I am running free business and tech uh, webinars through April 15th, all for free because it's keeping me active and engaged with my customers. And Spencer, how can people find out more about you and what you are up to? Well, I'll be hungry. <laughs> Matt. 
discussing the future of open source. <laughs> I've gone hot again. I'm going hot again. My temperature rose. He has a template of this, you know, so he just flicks a button and he has Matt. So it's not the first time, is it, Spencer? If no. anyone wants to talk to Matt or I, you can reach us at Launch Flows to talk about the source. Oh, dear, my temperature, Vito. how can people find out more about you what you're up to? Uh, so come visit wpfeedback.co and uh, we're actually running, uh, we're bringing back the biggest online summit in the WordPress space uh, that happened last uh, year in uh, November with more than 2,000 attendees. Uh, we're bringing it back uh, next month, April 27th. This is the first time we're, ta- we're announcing this. I can tell you already that uh, some of our good friends, uh, GoDaddy has joined us and uh, Yeath has joined us, SideGround. Uh, Conversio, that we're just talking about them, are also supporting us on this one. Body Boss and a bunch of other uh, really good uh, uh, companies are coming in to kind of help the community in these uh, weird-ass times. Yep. And um, about um, the WP Tonic Newsletter, I was going to announce the winner um, on this show, but I'm actually going to leave it next Friday. Um, I'm going to choose a winner in the next um, two days. Um, Spencer from Launch Flows has been kind enough to say that he will give a copy of Launch Flow, a free copy of Launch Flow for one year as the winning price. So that's well over $100. You've still got time to actually go to the WP Tonic um, website and um, sign up for the WP Tonic newsletter which has been highly revamped. We're going to have more WordPress stories. Um, I'm going to be um, listing the top recommendation from the Friday show um, in the newsletter and also e-learning stories as well. So it's going to be a great combination. So go to the WP Tonic website, sign up for the newsletter, and you've still got a couple of days to have the opportunity to get a free version of Launch Flows, which is great value. We back next week with a great panel show i thought we did an excellent job this week and we'll see you soon listeners and viewers see you soon bye Bye. thanks for listening to the wp tonic podcast the podcast that gives you a dose of wordpress medicine twice a week 